Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast with you. As always, is Bob live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board. Super stoked for uh, tonight's guest to come back on the show. I keep saying tonight, but look, let's be honest. This is the first time that I've ever recorded on a Sunday morning. It's 10 a.m. right now. The reason for it is, yeah, I realized last week during um, my usual 7 p.m. podcast that I'm just not that good at nighttime anymore. I'm just not. Uh, I just can't do it, you know, uh, so I like my best like moments are early in the day. So I figure, you know, everyone's going to have to, you know, get on my program here and start waking up early on Sundays and engaging in podcasts. Tonight's guest uh, just I said tonight again, what the hell, <laughs> but uh, today's guest, <laughs> this morning's guest um, just uh, had a, a wonderful victory in the, the lovely town of Country Hockham. He is uh, our mayor the second time around uh before he became the mayor you know it was against all odds who's this guy i don't know is he gonna be the mayor i don't know but you know what perseverance hard work knocking door to door meeting people looking at people in the eyes getting to know people caring about the community guess what folks it works okay it works to the point where people show up and they actually vote for you okay other people maybe they go around they put out some pamphlets and stuff like that they kind of like make some snide remarks about you know switching parties it doesn't work folks you know what works people that care about one another i'm super stoked that he's back here for his third third appearance yeah finishing out the first trilogy of the bobcast series <laughs> with that being said congratulations to our lovely mayor of country hockey mr yandy varenson how are you Thanks, Bob. I'm I'm awesome. I you know a lot less stressed than uh, you know two weeks ago. <laughs> so like, what's what's that like, dude? Like you know, I mean, I know stress of like, like my major stress point in the last two weeks was one day where I couldn't find my keys to get to the bus stop in time to pick up my son. I can't imagine like a whole community like counting on you. It it it's it so it, it's hard. It, it's just you you put in the whole year. I mean, I, I was out door knocking three, four days a week. So like, I wouldn't be able to do this with you if it was during the campaign, because I'd be getting ready to go door knock uh, until the Eagles game. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or, or after work, I get back from class. Um, I teach at the community college and then instead of going home and taking a nap or, or hanging out with the wife, I have to go and door knock until sundown. So, um, so you feel that pressure. So you have to be really good in everything else. So I have to make sure to get all my grading in at, you know, late at night whenever I have to do it. Um, but then, you know, the, the, really the worst part is just like the social media and, and the nastiness and the things you read about yourself. And you're like, wait, I did not kill your daughter's cat. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, that's an interesting point about politics in general, right? It's like, I don't know, you know, me, dude, you know how I operate. And it's like, I think a lot of what we do as an adult, like, we're adults, but we don't take into consideration that our children are watching and they're listening. Right. And like, yeah. okay. So at the echelon of our society, what keeps us together? Institutions like, you know, mayors, governors, presidents, right. House of representatives, senators. But when they're all talking shit, you know what I mean? Like, and like going after each other's personal characters, wanting to hurt their feelings, wanting to, expose truths that nobody knows yeah wait, wait, wait like all right so i'll give you a good look you know what i mean like it's not a good look and i know that like some of the people on the campaign including yourself and jody were talking about you know when they aim low we what was the the catchphrase she used we um, go high yeah we go high right so i mean like yeah i think that the whole i remember it being in 10th grade and learning the terminology of mudslinging 
and being yeah. like, oh, so this means like talking shit, but like it's okay to talk <laughs> shit. Like it's basically what it is. And it's like, yeah, I really don't think that society needs another opposition or a conflict to uh to focus upon. And you know what? Sadly, that's just how we are now. It's like, you know, like I, I was I was watching um Finch last night, Tom Hanks's new film, uh, Apocalyptic. And I love apocalyptic films and like, you know. There's some, you know, uh, ramifications in there that allude to the fact that we just destroyed the planet. Right. So and then, you know, it got too hot to be outside or whatever. Spoilers, whatever. But I'm just saying, like, even if something like that happened in our society. Right. Like if tomorrow all of a sudden Biden came on and they're like, come on, Joe, wake up. You got to get on TV. And he's like, OK, everybody, uh, there's a major asteroid. It's going to hit us on Friday. It's all over. The next five days wouldn't be peace and love in the street. It would be survival of the fittest. It would be, um, you know, like I'm going to Green, get that Greenland style. That movie I that came out. Is that good? That's exactly what you're describing. Like, um, you know, yeah. And everyone goes crazy, and it's just just chaos and, and well, anarchy. So, like, why? So, like, you know, being a mayor, and now you're in your second term too, which is like the major. It's like the brass tacks of being like, told you so. I mean, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Everybody else out there listening, y'all knew it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, what's it like going to bed? Like, think, like, cause like, I think like, oh, I got tomorrow. I got it. Sunset this, got that. I got to do this for my job. I got to do that. What's it like going to bed thinking about an entire town? Yeah. I, so, so really from the, the moment I was sworn in four years ago, like you feel that pressure, like the, there's that stress of, I have to always be on like, you know, Sarah and I went to Weiss last night at, at 930 and someone in the bread aisle was, oh, mayor, and wanted to talk about stray cats, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, and uh, it, 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 you feel it every time that I hear like a police siren or a fire alarm, I'm just mm. like a little on edge. And it, it just kind of comes with the territory. And um, I, I don't think um I don't think it's something I could do forever. Uh, honestly, I think um, that that level of stress and that level of commitment is is high. And I think the bar that we've set um, is really high as far as being very engaged with with the community and putting on these amazing events. Like it's it's awesome, but man, is it exhausting and tiring? I can yeah. I mean, I I know. I mean, like it's. I never did anything for a year long gig, but I've done some gigs, and I know there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of planning. Um, I mean, like, let's talk about like just how special, you know, Conshohocken is, right? Conshohocken, you know, there's other places around here, you know, uh, Plymouth Meeting, King of Prussia, Ardmore, all these other ones, but country has got something special. Um, I think it was like, what, like, um, on the fly, like we were at this like Christmas or excuse me, like a birthday party. And like, my friends were like, what, what should we do? And I was like, uh, I don't know. There's a event down country. Let's go, you know? Yep. And it's so nice to see people on Fath Street, you know, having fun with their families, you know? And like, there's like this collective vibe that like kind of like has emerged in the last like couple of years of like, you know, the young families moving in, um, you know, like all these things popping up. I mean, there's so many different things to do in country hockey now. It, yeah. it seems to me that the, the rate of expansion has increased since you've become the mayor. You so think you think, have anything to do with that? Well, so, so think about this, Bob. Um, mm -hmm. 
so we just had this this pandemic, right? This this world altering pandemic. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can think, we've lost three businesses out of our dozens and dozens of businesses. Wow. One of which was a chain, Jimmy John's. Um, one of which I think may have closed anyway, just just due to some internal issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Snap is the the third one I'm thinking of, and they're kind of on this this interesting reopening schedule. So think about the kind of community we have here that rallied around our small businesses. We really don't have chains in town. It is all mom and pops. And um, that is who our community supported throughout the last 18 months. It's just, it's, that's proof right there of how special we are. You know, it's so crazy. Like you don't really think about it, but there is no, there's no franchise down there. Is there? There's Snap no. is like the closest and that's closest, kind of like a, still a mini, though, yeah. that's like a mini franchise. Coming. Yeah. So like, here's my new thing, right? So my new thing is uh, you can catch me at the boathouse on <laughs> Sunday afternoons. We go there for brunch. Oh, good. We went there last week, dude. And I got to be honest, dude, like I've gone there at nighttime, you know, and I've had, you know, um, their wings. But dude, they got these tacos there. They got these smoke and Ooh. brisket tacos. I had them last weekend. Yes. I might get him this weekend, but look, <laughs> here's the thing about certain things I've noticed as I got older. <laughs> you can attest to this. Something is so good the first time, you can't replicate it the second time. It just doesn't work, man. Like, yeah. But the vibe, the vibe can be replicated. The food, that's tough to do. But like, I like the boathouse so much. Like, I don't know why. It's just, I've gone there since I was 21, you know, and now I go there. My son likes to go there. I don't, I don't know. I think it's the fish. He loves it. But that whole street, you know what I mean? Like, it's got that vibe that you're you're looking for, you know, like, uh, I guess, like, in somebody's mind, like, when they go back into, like, you know, uh, pop culture memories, they always think about the small town, uh, you know, main drag, you know, it yeah, looks, yeah. Co- you know? Yeah. Um, and, and going back to your original question, like, like, does it involve me? So, so we have awesome owners. Our owners are phenomenal. The owner of the boathouse is is also an EMT worker. So, like, you, you can't get a better human being than that, right? Wow. Um, but I, I don't know if it's it's me uh, as much as one of the things I wanted to bring to this position four years ago was that social media, web presence, uh, being the face of the town. Um, you know, it, we we never I, I never campaigned on saying oh previous mayors were terrible people because that's not true. What I said was we need to modernize the position. We need to have a TikTok account, a Snapchat account, uh, Instagram. Like, like I get messages from all of these and it makes me accessible. Um, it also allows me to take great pictures, uh, eating food with my wife and giving free advertising to all our business. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, to the point where, you know, we've gotten picked up in all kinds of like travel magazines and, and really cool stuff like that. So it, if it helps our businesses even a little bit, I think then I've done a good thing for them. Oh, totally, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's just it's special, you know, and like they love the support, you know, and then like the town loves the support. Let's talk about stray cats. What's that lady's problem with the bread aisle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I um I trapped and I I murdered her daughter's cat. <laughs> so we took this cat out last night. Okay, it's called Feline Killers. We're available. It's twenty five dollars an hour. If a cat's bothering you, you know I got cats in my neighborhood. That um this guy he just he lets them all procreate in his backyard. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's further enough away, but I know some neighbors get uh, upset about it. You know, it's uh so you know. It's not something I ever thought I'd, I'd be <laughs> talking about, but so, so, so here's what's happened over the last four years. I 
get calls and messages and texts from people. Um, and as you said, we have a lot of young families moving into Kanchahaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe a neighbor will, will be feeding stray cats and those cats will defecate on their property or scratch up all their, their, their cushions or whatever. Um, and they call and they'd say, what can we do? And I'd say, well, we actually don't have any law about cats. So there's nothing we can do. Wow. And, and that's what it's been for four years. And um, as we kept getting complaints and kept getting concerns, and obviously that leads to a public health issue at a certain, at a certain point, um, council got together. They started coming up with ideas for um, laws that we could put in place so that at least you could call the borough and we could send someone out and they can make a determination on what to do next. And we've been working through that process last few months. And of course it goes onto social media and gets twisted around to somehow I'm, I'm murdering cats. I don't know. Um, is it, so wait, this is real. So somebody's saying that you're murdering cats for real. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> this is at a council meeting too. Yes. Oh my God. Um, wait, but, so, like, <laughs> wait yeah. so they think that your so- <laughs> they think your solution is to go out as a cat vigilante at nighttime and get rid of them. I, I think the, the wording <laughs> of the, um, the proposed, law is being twisted around jesus to, dude for, is this the, is it, this sounds like the plot effect. of like a film this is like a it really like a dark yes, comedy yes. <laughs> like I, I got a call from a guy on maple who who said you know i really like you and you i just talked to you a few weeks ago and you knocked on my door and i think yeah. you're great but i honestly can't vote for someone who um wants to kill cats and i'm just like <laughs> so i called him and i explained what the proposed law was and he said oh well that's okay i have no problem with that and I, yes just just contact me contact the council person we're very happy to talk about it um you know i certainly have my agreements and disagreements with council but i think they are, are good human beings they, they want to do what's right um so in this case um you know we did take in quite a bit of public comment one of the one of the interesting pieces of the law is it started to govern chickens which uh has never been a complaint we do allow chickens we've historically uh, been a pretty big hub for chickens and uh, people said why why are you doing this and council was like oh yeah you're right and they stripped it out so that's really how the process is supposed to work you give us feedback and we go back and we make something hopefully we can all compromise or agree on so in this case that's worked okay here comes my strange ass questions okay is it legal to have a horse in country hagen um, so I think you would have to have uh, some sort of like property guidelines. And I don't think any property in contract has that room to do it. There may be one. There's actually um, Sixth and Forest, that, that big property. It may have enough room, but they don't have any horses. Uh, my yeah, mind, you, you my need mind, those guidelines. Yeah, that's so straight. I mean, yeah, I think as a kid, maybe I remember like there was a farm in country somewhere. I don't know. Hey man, oh, did the, you know the old timers tell me these amazing stories? There was a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, like um, yeah. country's just been around for a long time. You know, there's lots of uh, history along with it. Yep. Uh, side note: Did you know that camels can retain more water? Excuse me, giraffes can retain more water than camels. I had no I idea did until not last know night. that. No, I had no idea. So it's like, why are we riding these camels? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like yeah. we utilize these giraffes. Did I've right. always wanted a giraffe. I don't know why. I like them. I like the creatures. I, you know, also too, it's like you get to a point where like, if you love animals and you don't have like a proper, uh, you know, uh, place for them to live, it's a problem for your neighbors. We have chickens yes. here at Plymouth meeting. I don't really give a shit no more because I'm up at 530 every day. But <laughs> if I was a single man and like I was uh, going to the boathouse doing picklebacks and coming back yeah. at early hours of the morning, dude, we, this is chicken up here in the street. I swear to God, every morning, at, like whatever time sunrise happens, it's there. Woo, 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 yep. woo. 
But the whole neighborhood hears it, cuckoo, cuckoo. And like in the beginning, I didn't care. I cared very much, but now I'm just like, ah, whatever, dude. So uh, a fun, a fun contract, in fact. Uh, roosters uh, have to uh, fall under our noise ordinance. So you can call the police if they are uh, crowing wow. between our, our quiet time. <laughs> so does, it, does a rooster crow? Is it, it a crow? What's the, what's the, doesn't it do the cock-a-doodle-doo? Isn't that yeah, the but whole? what's the, what's the action verb for that? Is that cock-a-doo, cock-a-doo-da-doodling? Like what, <laughs> I don't really know what that is. I'm going to go with crow, but it, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, one of, one of our viewers here uh. can, can correct us. <laughs> See, I knew it was a good idea to do like, Sunday mornings, like early morning podcasts. I'm already feeling much better. The podcast I just did on Thursday, man, there's like, <laughs> I was ready to fall asleep. I'm so tired, oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, I can imagine. I, so like my sleep schedule has like complete, like you're, like one day you will get into this new uh, club that I'm in. It's called No yep. Sleep Till Brooklyn. Okay. Yep. Yep. And basically you don't need sleep much anymore. You don't like, you need like four and a half to five hours. Like sometimes I've got, I'll get, I get up at four 30 in the morning and for two hours, I'll write before anybody wakes up. And that's like, I'm, a, I'm kind of like hooked on it now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I read the, or excuse me, I listened to a podcast with Sylvester Stallone. And for people out there who are ignorant, who don't know that he is more than just an actor, he's a great screenplay writer. And, you know, to tie everything together, um, before he was the mayor, your mayor here today taught me screenplay writing almost 10 years ago, and I'm still riding with it to this day. Uh, Sylvester Stallone said that, um, he used to force writing. He used to like sit down at the table. Like I got to write these 20 pages. I got to do this. And then he realized, no, I'm not doing my best work. My best work comes from a place where there's no distractions and I can be quiet. And he says that he would wake up every night at two 30 and write till six 30 and then go back to bed for a few hours no. and then read, read his work. And, you know, there is something to be said about that time of the day where there's nothing going on. It's just you, the computer, the typewriter, and I, I, I'm getting up earlier and earlier now to do stuff. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, Bob, he won um, for for Rocky. He won yep. for best, best screenplay. And if I'm not mistaken, you actually had us look at, I remember in class, I believe we looked at page one of Rocky altogether uh, up okay. on the big screen because if, if you're, um, if you want to Google it right now, you can, you can type in uh, Rocky screenplay PDF and you can see what I'm talking about. You know, like Sylvester Stallone's, first page the way that he describes that dingy uh, south philadelphia boxing club there's so much on that page right there for you to read and i, I really like his writing and uh i find it fascinating that um i mean i'm, I'm gonna watch it tonight but uh he just re he just re-released rocky four with yes. 40 minutes of uh extra yep. footage and he had a premiere i don't know where it was in philly i tried to find information but um, apparently, like he recut it to be more dramatic, because if you recall, Rocky Four is a very montage driven music video hour and 20, you know, fast film. This is like two hours and 20 minutes. And no more Rob the Robot. I know, dude. What's up? I mean, I like, <laughs> you know how bad I wanted that robot. But oh, yeah, absolutely. I was traumatized, though, because um, I believe I saw that in theaters and uh, Apollo Creed's death. I just didn't, oh, I, didn't know yeah. how, I didn't know how to, to deal with that. But what a great tie-in to Creed. Like, how, how masterful did he tie those two Very masterful, yeah. together? And, like, I was kind of, like, uh, Creed 2. Like, I read that that's it for Rocky. He's not coming back in the third. I'm like, ah. You know, like, where does the character Rocky go? Because it's like he's never really had a good definitive ending. I thought it happened in Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Now with Creed, he goes to see his son. He's got his grandson. It's such, I don't know. It's actually a really sad, like, fate for Rocky. He's just kind of like... 
Yeah. Wandering around South Philly, like with no friends. Now, I'm sure you know this just because you're kind of like me, like a cinephile and stuff like that. You know that the original ending for Rocky Five, Tommy Gunn um, kills Rocky in the streets. Rocky dies there. Okay. Uh, they The studio was like, what are you, crazy? Mm-hmm. You can't kill Rocky. MGM was like, you can't kill this franchise character. And they made him reshoot the ending. But I read just this morning that he's interested in recutting Rocky Five as well. I mean, dude, if you got all that, t- he, uh, yeah. he wants to recut Paradise Alley, Nighthawks, which I heard is becoming a television show, okay. and Rocky Five. I don't know if I would ever want to re edit i don't know maybe i would maybe i wouldn't i'm not 75 like him i but... don't know if rocky five is savable i think four <laughs> there's enough there that's awesome yeah. but five is just a mess like it is a mess hard to he, finish he leaves his son so he could train some other dude down the basement <laughs> that's the yeah. plot point right yeah. there yeah but sadly i think that yeah if i'm recalling this correctly i mean he's had some tragedy in real life the son that's in rocky five i, I think he passed away I think he passed his son passed away at a very early age from like a heart murmur or something. But I like basically his like he talks a lot about writing and, you know, him as an actor. And, you know, writing is a a lot of time. It's it's very difficult for some people because it's a job that's never done. You know what I mean? Like you're not done until you see it on the screen. And then even what's on the screen, you're thinking about what you could do next. Absolutely. Yep. I could imagine, you know you know, being the mayor and, you know, teaching and stuff like that. You haven't had much time to, to write. You still ever think oh about it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think about it. I don't do it. <laughs> you ever write stuff down? Um, it, it, It's really just a, a different world. Like I just, I can't think about it. I can't. So the problem is like we talked about earlier, I can't turn it off to have a place where I can have yeah. quiet. I'm always, so at this point I'm thinking about, you know, what am I doing for the arts fest? Um, you know, yeah. what, what new thing can we plan? Uh, what social media posts do I need to put out today? Um, you know, what meetings do I have coming up with people in the community? There, there's just, just, just no time to, to switch it off at this point. Yeah. I know that feeling. It's so hard to switch to the next, you know? Um, yes, but I will get back to it. Once we're done with all this, I, I will get back to it. it. It will always be there for me. Always. Yeah. You can write the comedy about the mayor who's secretly killing cats at nighttime to <laughs> exactly. fix yeah. the, the small town's problems. <laughs> I, I see it as a horror movie personally. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that because I did have this, I had this script when I was like 16 that was like, you know, seven pages or whatever. It was called Canine Killers. And it was two Italian hitmen who were hitmen for like dogs that are misbehaving in the neighborhood and stuff. And like, oh it's God. kind of stupid, but I mean, it kind of makes sense though, because it's like, you know, <laughs> your life is, you know, if you're living next to somebody with a dog who's barking all hours of the day, you're losing your mind. Yep. I don't, I don't live with neighbors no more. Or, you know, I remember living in an apartment and having people above me. I do think that that is a really shitty thing to have <laughs> noisy neighbors upstairs yeah absolutely i can't imagine you know yeah yeah so with um you know upcoming stuff in country i know you talked about the country arts fest we do that together we're going to expand on that what other things do you think are going to pop off this time around so uh it, you know again it, it it's um it, it's always better when we're flexible and when we listen to the community so mm-hmm. think things i never thought i would be doing as mayor but uh, our bingo nights have been super successful wow. <laughs> and, and a huge hit. So um, we, um, through COVID, we started like coming up with ideas for ways to get the community just to come together, even virtually. And we did bingo virtual. It was really cool. And then we kind of did both ways. We did it outside of the VFW with a streaming option. 
And um, now we're just doing regular bingos. We want to do it once a quarter. So we did um, the VFW in, the, in September. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking for a space probably at the Lunuti Post to do it as we get into winter. And we hope to continue that. People have asked for it repeatedly. So we're going to continue that. Um, we are doing a, a wine tasting with um, all the Pierre restaurants and with um, John Mathis, who's our local sommelier. Um, and we will be, um, as always, Sarah's passion is uh, mental health awareness. So she's going to continue to bring resources into the community, whether it's uh, panel events where we have um, veterans and police officers and teachers and experts talking about um, a lot of the mental health crises that are, are surrounding us, especially post-COVID. Um, and then she does um, a suicide uh, survivor's um, um, I guess, discussions where they get together people that have family members who may have passed away from suicide um, and they talk about their experiences and just just as a support group to be there for each other. So so we're keeping really, really busy and um, whatever pops up uh, in the interim, I'm sure will be super cool and interesting. I know the um, Kanchi 5K has been away for a couple of years, so we're, we're hoping to uh, work with that group to get that back for the uh, end of April. So we'll, we'll stay busy as always. So check this out. Um... Take an educated guess. What year do you think bingo began? Oh my gosh. I'm going to say like the 20s, 30s. You mean the 1920s? Yeah. Okay. So here it says on uh, Google, it says that legend has it that the first bingo game began in Italy in the 1500s. From there, it moved to France in the late 1700s where its name evolved into Lelato. How about mm. that from the 1500s? So like the idea of bingo too, let's talk about bingo and why that can bring people together, right? So bingo is a game where you can join in with a bunch of people yep. and the, the, the skill level requires you to have good listening skills, I guess, right? Because essentially, yes, essentially. Yeah. Yep. But you know, no, no physical limitations. You're just kind of marking a bingo card. So I think that's why the elderly in particular have been uh, really passionate about it. I do a monthly bingo at Marshall Lee Towers. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, it, it, and it, it's also very competitive. Like if very. we mess up, we hear about it. Uh, they, there's always a million ideas that we need to be doing for the next bingo. So um, so it really means a lot to uh, to a lot of people. You would never expect it. Let me ask you a question. When you're doing bingo, do you use those stamps with the, like the little pens with the, the invisible inks? So we, we do, well, so we provide chips um, and then uh. we give chips out, but <laughs> you know, the professionals come with, you know, they have like a belt and they have all uh. the pens and stuff. So you can kind of see where they are in the skill. I'm level seeing there. a genre there. I'm seeing that this um, could be perhaps like a, fi- like a film about bingo. Um, like, the word bingo. An Adam Sandler film. His next. Oh film. my God. He'd be so yeah. good as like the ball caller. You know yep. what? Is there a name for the ball caller? The bingo caller? <sighs> the bingo master. That's just, <laughs> it sounds right. Uh, I just got done watching Squid Game, and dude, I can't, yes, I yes, I love the way that that was shot. I didn't like it when I first started watching it in English. I was like, I can't do this, dude. Like this, is the, yeah, I, yeah. But then yeah. I just took off the English, put the Korean on with the English subtitles. Then I enjoyed it very much. But that's how it's always the case. And I was trying to like think, like, why is this type of thing so popular with people right now? Why does people love Squid Game? Why is it the most popular Netflix thing? And I think it really stems down to is like we're just really struggling as society. It's just you know, like we there's always been the tier system: the, the rich, you know, the poor, blah blah blah, you know, and like people like resonate with that and it's like man like <laughs> battle royale is like the most popular type thing in 2021 yeah. like kids yeah. 
trying to and like i hear they play the games at recess and i'm like what dude like huh so let me give you an alternate perspective because um you know i went into it probably like you did which is like oh we're gonna watch all these violent games and it's gonna be you know super Mm -hmm. cool and then it ends up actually being very very deep and going into um the characters lives and their struggles and their relationships to each other and it, it's not just like oh we're going to see people get slaughtered mm-hmm. um and i think that brings it up a notch as far as the quality of the show and you find yourself very very connected to these characters so for mm-hmm. me even though i was expecting to, to to see all that blood and guts um it was really like oh i built these these relationships with these characters and that's what kept me hooked yeah me too like i liked well i thought that it was all about the the carnage and stuff like that yeah. there was some elements of it but i mean like um there's really good storytelling elements I oh mean, yeah uh yeah. especially the tug of war episode i really liked that one i thought it was written well and then you know i won't spoil it but i mean like yeah great great season you know and um and they had no problem getting rid of um characters that you you know built a lot of relationship yeah. time with um which sucks sucks for the viewer but it's good for the storytelling well i mean like i think that's a major mistake of shows like um like I, I i can't watch the walking dead no more it's on for way too long you know that none of these people are going to be in jeopardy you know that there's no conflict that can arise so what's the point anymore and there's yeah. no tension and i think that drama really needs tension and you need to be able to you know thread that needle correctly um I haven't watched a show like Squid Game in a while where I was like, I can't yeah. wait to this evening because I watched yeah, it without, yeah. without my wife. <laughs> did you watch uh, Midnight Mass? I, I did not yet, no. All right, Is check that out next. Yes, I will. I, I really, so, you know, um, Mike Flanagan is yep. such a good horror filmmaker and he did an amazing job with um, um, Haunting of Hill House. But then Bly Manor wasn't very good. It was very like vanilla. Mm-hmm. And then he's right back to his old tricks with um, this one. I really liked uh, his first series on Netflix, but I did not like the last episode. I, I actually just a couple of weeks ago, there was a Facebook memory of mine, me asking people like, what the hell was up with that cookie cutter ending? Because it was such a good show. But then the I, I can't recall like what happens, but that's Hill House. Yeah, the end, the first series he did, right? Like the yeah. ending, like, I don't know, the reveal, but he's a good hard director, horror Horror is very difficult because, like, I'm not a fan of gore. Like, I it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's I I don't know. I just lately I'm just like I don't need to see it. Like, I saw the new Halloween film, Halloween Kills, and there's so much gore in it, like ridiculously amount. Of, like, it's too much. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, this isn't. Like, I, I didn't like the first one, so I'm not rushing to see the second one. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of times the whole notion too of like people rushing um i'm happy though that in general though the cinema did survive which is cool it's like yes. we thought for a minute there it'll be over you know now the films are making like 80 90 million dollars again on opening weekend yep. people are still yep. upset like you know uh dune being released on hbo max at the same time i you know whatever i mean like some people want to watch at home and some people want to go to the theater but we're, we're one at thing, a point where yeah. the technology at home has gotten so good, like yeah. with surround sound and these amazing ultra HD TVs. Um, you are getting the experience. Like I, me and you are traditional people. We love going to the movies. We love the, being in the crowd. But um, yeah. I can I can make an argument for nowadays we have crossed that threshold where you're not really missing much if you um, have a good system at home. Yeah, it's it's it's. here's the thing that i don't like about going to the movies it's just like you don't know who's going in there with you right and like just a little bit of talking or like a little bit of like i remember one time i was in this theater with a bunch of kids (laughs) and like they wouldn't shut up dude and like i stood up and like i was like shut up 
and I scared myself. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, you're you're that old guy now. Yeah, dude, because I can't hear correctly. <laughs> um, but also too, it's like um, the experience of going to the movies. Like, I hope it doesn't go away. But they also, it's like it's just way too expensive. It's ridiculously expensive. So expensive, yeah. You know, um, I always thought. I think I mentioned a couple of times in the podcast too. It's kind of funny that the f- the food that's the um, <laughs> at the forefront of uh, the cinematic experience is the most. It's one of the most loudest foods to eat <laughs> like popcorn like oh, you can yeah. hear it everywhere dude in the theater she gets stuck in your teeth they don't have floss there you know what i mean so then like i, I mean, think yeah like what would be a better food to have there i mean obviously you got the you know uh these new places where you can have a full course meal but a pretzel bite seemed to work for me silent I'm, yes I'm a huge fan of pretzel bites for sure Twizzlers you don't hear the pretzel good. bite go you don't hear nobody biting yeah. the pretzel bite. raisinets always a good choice i'll tell you what you do hear you hear when the pretzels are empty and the tray hits the ground oh, the with all the salt sh- <laughs> trickling around oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and remember you, 20 years ago bob right yeah. you couldn't pick your seats before you had to like fight fight for the seats and look around there was no stadium seating. Like the person's head was right there. Right there. Um, yeah. It was a whole different experience before. Before you know. they took out the seats, it was a, a much more, um, for me, an anxiety-ridden experience. It was a oh, yeah. really, really light. Yeah. You know, like we yeah. got to get there early, man. We got to get the. Oh seats. yeah, that's right. And yeah. like, um, I think one of the last films that I saw in regular seatings was uh, The Dark Knight, actually. And I think it was like opening day and there's like no seats and my buddy and I, we couldn't sit, sit together, but I mean, yeah, like picking your seats. I think that's cool. Um, reclining great, you know, whatever they can do. But I mean, like eventually we, it's going to have to become just the home thing. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. sad. It's just, but the tech, like you said, the technology is too good. And I mean, you know, streaming services and like, just. If you're, if you're doing it legally, if you're going through the official apps, then everyone that's associated with the film is, is getting their due, is getting their cut, you're showing respect. Um, I think where that line is, is if you get the pirated stuff, it's not just about like the producer, the director, or the studio, like the, everyone that worked on that film is, is getting cheated in some way. So I think we just have to be conscious of that as we move more and more to the home theater style. And then, of course, one of the things that happened um, since the last time we spoke that was at the forefront of, I guess, the, the industry. I mean, I mean, as we discussed, like how brilliant technology is and we talk about, you know, how we can do all these things. There's no physical ramifications anymore for having guns on set that, that like, you know, like yeah. back in the day without digital, you know, without, you know, Weta or, you know, uh, ILM and all these different companies that can produce special effects. And like, look. Uh, a muzzle flash is really easy to uh, make on Premiere Pro. Yeah. There's no, I guess the only reason why you want to hear the bang on set is that way. So that way you can, as an actor, feel like you're in the moment. Because I mean, like, yes, the audio is picking it up, but like, it's so weird that that happened with Alec Baldwin. You know, it's very sad. Yeah. I remember being a kid and being like, how did Brandon Crow die? Absolutely. And then I thought like, this will never happen again. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I believe that they should just make guns, you know, um, digital like you know you can have a walk just, around with a gun I, I, and look we are we are film people i i just why is there a real bullet on set period like it just doesn't make sense to do me. they even really know i mean i've looked at some of the articles online some people say that they were uh having target practice outside of the set some people are saying that the ballistic guy or whatever his name is was negligent and other projects just how does that happen was it a bullet or was it like i remember like with brandon lee thing they said that it was like a the fragment of a bullet like that like it came off or 
something, but it should just never, it shouldn't happen. And like, dude, yeah. Alec Ball, like that's, it just sucks. You know what I mean? The dude's been that's, in like how many films, Yeah, you know? And, and, like and this is career. part of his legacy now. Yeah. 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 It's a shitty thing. And like, you know, people talking trash saying that uh, he planned to kill this person. Like, come on, dude, nobody, no, you know what I mean? No. Like nobody wants that, you no, know? Like, not at all. Not at all. But I hope that they, you know, put in. It's 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 a really weird thing, right? Like guns in general, like you know, like in film, and like um, it, it's just a part of our life. It's like like my son's five years old, and he just thinks that like you know, it's weird from his perspective because like he'll look at like you know, uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian's got a gun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other heroes have guns, and it's like ah, you know. <laughs> Batman don't, you know, but yeah, true. And, then, and then he sees a picture of Batman. Thanks, Zack Snyder with the gun. He's like, he does have a gun, daddy. I'm like, that's not the right Batman, dude. You know, like, <laughs> but I don't know. I am excited for that new Batman film. I mean, it's, yeah, my, I am too. As a filmmaker, you know, uh, excuse me, as a, you know, writer, um, longtime enthusiast of comics. Does it look like I want it to be? No, not yet. They still have not done it the way I want to do it. I mean, it looks cool, but we're also kind of going for that dark, dark look again. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to have a candy cutting version of it, but I mean, like the comics with the gray and blue, the white eyes and like, look, they did it in Goodfellas and it works so well. And sometimes in screenplay classes, they tell you never to do it. But I'm a big fan of voiceover. Mm-hmm. Batman has an internal dialogue the whole time in his mind. In all these films, we never hear what he's thinking. No. Yeah. We should never even hear him speak to the bad guys at all. Yeah. Just have him straight voiceover the whole time. Like, you know, Henry Hill and Goodfellas laying out the story for people to tell. Well, My you know, name- it's interesting, Bob. Yeah, so tell me. this this one is supposed to be more of him as like the detective, right? Which we yeah. never get to see on film. What a perfect opportunity to have that voiceover. Exactly. Maybe it's in there. We don't know. But also, too, like the, I do know that the notion is that um, he suffers from, you know, mental health and like he 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 um, he's trying to differentiate himself between the bad guys and himself. And, you know, I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but, uh, you know, because I was thinking about. Um, I forget what put me on the sidetrack there, but yeah, mental health, you know, Sarah, like all the stuff we guys do in country hawking, like that's one of the things that you know, as a society, we need to incorporate, you know, they're teaching it at my son's school now in kindergarten, social emotional learning. I mean, I talk about it a lot on my show because it's like mental health. I think it's like, it's just so important. And for a long time, just people just never talked about it. You know, they never, our generation growing up would never talk about it. No, our parents would never talk about it. You know, um, our, our teachers didn't talk about it much. I don't remember any of that. I mean, I remember thinking like, if you had a problem, you need to go see a guidance counselor. It's about the extent of it. Yeah. Yeah, And then like you go see the guidance counselor and it's you alone with the guidance counselor learning to cope with something and then going back out in the world and trying to apply those skills with no um, community to support you, no anything. And like, you know, I mean, like this, it's just a really crappy thing. I think that we don't tend to think about mental health and like, you know, like it's true that like, you know, you could look at somebody and be like, oh, they look like they have a great life, but you have no idea what's going on in their minds. You have no idea what's going on in their lives or or what type of mental duress they're under. And I think that it's a conversation that you need to have early in life Mm -hmm. and continue out, like, especially from the ages of seven to 10, like between, I read something that in between seven to 10, something traumatic can happen in that child's life that then 
discourses them for the entire duration of their adult life because they don't have the coping skills to get over this traumatic event or something like that. And, you know, like a lot of times parents in our generation would push shit under the rug. And it's nice to know that like that's at the forefront, you know, going back to squid games um, a couple episodes before the episode, it would have a disclaimer that says, Mm -hmm. you know, um, episode contains um, suicidal, whatever, um, and it gives you a resource to go to before mm-hmm. any episode that shows suicide. That that's a huge step forward. You know, like when it comes to um, the trajectory of somebody's life and what could lead them to something like that. You know, it's like there's there's signs, and a lot of times people don't see them because they're they're not aware or like. I I just think that in general, you know. I remember being a kid and being um, thinking like, oh, like the, the most important thing that the government's trying to teach me right now is the war on drugs there. And like uh, if I smoke marijuana, my brain will become eggs in a frying pan. But like nobody yes. ever talked about what it's like to just have eggs always cooking on the frying pan and never being able to um, be served and like never being able to be, you know, content and like, there was just none of that. Like, it was like, be a man, dress like Rambo, get a gun, right. yeah, go buy some property, talk to your wife poorly. And it's like, dude, that ideologies, I'm so stoked that they're all dying like dinosaurs on the vine because it's like yeah. that led to, to a lot of our internal struggles, you know, like um, because it's so hard, like, you know, like, we don't have a life purpose really like right off the bat, we got to go find it. Right. Whereas back in the day, I imagine even in the 1500s when they were starting bingo, they were like, okay, we're going to be a unit. We're going to go out. We're going to conquer. We're going to get this. We're going to come back. We're going to eat. And everyone has purpose. Right. Yeah. The other night, my son came up to me and he said, he put his hands in the air and he was like, glorious purpose referring back to Loki. (laughs) And I was so stoked that he did it because it's like the whole idea of glorious purpose we want to feel like we have some sort of place in this world. We want to feel like we have some sort of function. And a lot of times I think that, you know, just the whole notion of saying to a young child who's full of um, creativity and ideas. So what do you want to be for the rest of your life? What? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say that to my kid. I'm going to be like, look, man, like life has lots of stuff that you can get into. You, and like the whole idea that you can't do multiple things that drives me nuts dude it's driven me nuts since day one here on planet earth is like yeah. you should be defined to go and do one thing and it gets to the point that also too can lead to mental health issues i mean like absolutely can you imagine working a job for 25 years that you hate so much you don't want to do it you're stuck into it because you got to have that pension you got to have this thing in place so you can take yeah. care of your kids or something uh, health care yeah, yeah, yeah. having a job for health insurance while your mental health is in the gutter no don't want to do that you know what i mean like i don't want to be a part i want to be a part of a society where everyone is living to the fullest of their potential they're not mudslinging they're not talking trash they're picking up their neighbor when their neighbor's down. And I know this is like some hippie mentality. Some people might think, oh, Bob Cahill from the podcast is crazy. <laughs> but guess what? It can exist. But we, yeah. as a society, sometimes we, we, you know, we put these things in place to, um, to really uh, create opposition for ourselves. Last when night, you when, get off of social media, yeah. you actually find that community. You know, that's the weird thing, too, is like social media is such a, um, a discourse of uh, – 
people it, it to me it almost feels like a um like a battle of the bands or like a gong show type thing where everyone's trying to be at the forefront with the microphone for just a bit listen to me listen to me and then like get out of here you're you know the next person comes along and then like then they crucify the next person then they you know it's like this constant constant thing in society where somebody that you know i remember like what 20 years ago everybody on the planet loved johnny depp everyone's like oh he's captain jack sparrow now people are like oh he you know did this and that and he's not a good person the cancel culture of today you know and like the idea of being uh, canceled. I mean, that's not a positive aspect towards mental health either, but I mean, yeah. having kids deal with it, I think is, is, is the thing that we have no clue what's going to happen next, you know? So for any uh, of your listeners here, um, one of the most important things that Sarah puts on uh, locally, and this is for your way up in Lafayette Hill, Plymouth, White Marsh, mm-hmm. anyone, anyone in our areas, our community, um, she does a QPR training, which is an entry level, totally beginner training. She does it all over the place from yoga studios to the VFW to the community center. Um, and she brings in experts and they train you for an hour on exactly what you talked about, how to look for those signs. And then more importantly, how to start that conversation. How do you start a conversation with someone? Um, oh, are you having suicidal thoughts? Like, how do you t- talk to a friend like that? And they give you techniques and they practice with you. Um, and it's totally beginner, totally entry level. And um, really the idea is you have that conversation to show someone cares, one. And then two, they give you resources to send them to. You are not a mental health expert. You are just a pathway, a friend to get them to the mental health uh, professionals. So, so please keep an eye out on my social media. We usually try and do that once a quarter as well. I think it's important, you know, um... Yeah, it's, it's true. It, the whole notion, like, you know, I mean, people just, they, they suffer in silence a lot, you know, and they Absolutely. don't, um, yeah. they don't find any type of happiness and they don't do any self-care to get themselves to a point of um, allowing their, you know, body, mind, and soul to, you know, have new ideologies come into their life. So they feel good. Sometimes like, I, I can't even imagine like telling somebody of age that like, Hey man, you should take a look at your religion and maybe look at other types of sources of spirituality to some that would be like the most sacrilegious thing possible you could do, you know, but like, I just, you know, I I've always felt that like, you know, we should always look at all world religions. We should look at all people as one. And like, you know, I, people think that that's nuts, but I, I do think that, you know, wherever we come to at the end of our journey here, one of the great realizations for people would be like, damn it, he was right. It's all connected. <laughs> Every single yeah. living person on earth is like, you know, yeah. Buddhism, they think that, uh, you know, you come back as, you know, something, right? You come back as a butterfly and whatever. What if you came back as, I read in a book somewhere, what if you came back as literally every single person on earth? Like, I'm going to be you eventually. You'll be me. I'll be Sarah. You know, I'll be that cat that you killed. I'm just playing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different versions of what the potential possibility of what life could be and not just suffering in silence. And well, you know, I mean, what I'm basically trying to say is, in a nutshell, you know, my favorite town in the Eastern Seaboard, I'm glad that, you know, yourself and Sarah and like, you know, I, I imagine, you know, I just put this out there into the, the metaverse, Zuckerberg. But once you wrap up your uh, your turn as a mayor, I think it's time that we had, uh, you know, a female mayor. I think that's hundred uh, percent. Uh, Sarah, Sarah step right into that role. <laughs> and then you go back to screenplay writing, you know, and then you yeah, chill, right? Yeah, absolutely. I look, I mean, um, 
I, I think if we can just leave this earth having made things, if I can leave the earth and say I made things just a little bit better uh, for my fellow man, I, I, I feel pretty satisfied. So I try and keep that as a guiding light in some in some respects. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on the Bobcast. And I think that that's a great stopping point for today's show, because I mean, like, look, super stoked that he's back for another term to make yeah. Conchahawken a lovable place to, to be, you know, and uh, it's just it's changed my perspective of things, because you know what, as uh, Mayor Goldie Wilson said in Back to the Future, someday <laughs> I'm going to be mayor. And you know what? Yeah, he was the mayor and he changed that's Hill right. Valley forever. Right. That's right. <laughs> but um, uh, and for your listeners, mark off uh, June 4th which okay, is going okay. to be this year's Arts Fest, arts, cars, and some of the best local music around all in Conchhocken. Awesome, man. Can't wait. Uh, we'll have to begin the next trilogy series shortly. I'll have you back on the show. Always a pleasure. Good seeing you, man. My name is Bob, and this has been another episode of The Bobcast. <laughs>